attention. My name is Kier, and uh, it's good to be with you all this morning. I hope you've all been enjoying the, uh, the series we've been going through with James. Um, there's a lot of really good practical things in there, and I've really taken, I think each week, um, I've really taken away just like one really good nugget, which some were sprinkled in here this morning, so you have to excuse me for doing that, but they're worth repeating. So today, um, we're going to be looking at um, chapter 4, which has to do with, it's called a warning against worldliness and boasting, um, and subtitle, a call to closeness with our Father. So if you would, let's, um, let me just collect ourselves here in prayer as we shift gears. Um, dear God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for everybody who's here. Thank you that you have something in your word for us to learn and to apply to our lives. Lord, thank you that you don't just give us your word and then send us out the door where we can't come back to you um, for clarification and um, just to enjoy more time with you, that you're always available to us. So, Lord, be with us this morning, and um, uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, you and everyone around you have struggles and challenges at times, right? And sometimes you might even get tired of being asked about them. Do you have any challenges or, you know, what's going on with you right now? But they're there and we have to just, let's just deal with them. Let's just talk about them. And those can be personal things like maybe our health, um, finances, maybe a job or career changes or school changes that we need to make. Um, or they could be cultural things like challenges with communicating with uh, maybe a coworker or a neighbor or even somebody in your own family who just has a totally different worldview than you have. And they can even be challenges within our church body um, as we move into the new year and we're looking at changes with uh, those that meet with Oak Ridge North and those that will meet with Oak that we can meet with Oak Ridge here at the gathering place. Um, I mean, you may have some challenges and questions you're asking, like, how is this going, how, how am I going to fit into this, um, in this new year into the church? How, how are my relationships going to be different? Are my friendships going to be affected? And these challenges can really, um, um, they're real. They're real things that we need to deal with. And um, with all of these challenges, um, what I'd like to say is there's a possibility that um, we can get off track if we're not careful how we address them. And I believe that James has something for us this morning um, as we face these. He wants us um, to daily accept the invitation to intimacy with our Father. Um, and so that's kind of going to be the underlying theme of what we talk about this morning. I also want to recognize that this is one of those weeks where we have a lot of kids here rather than being down in the Sunday school classes. So I want to encourage you guys to hang in there and really try to listen with me. I know it's a, a little different format than what you're used to when you're downstairs. But I do have a couple questions for you. So, and you don't have to be a little, little kid. If you've been around long enough, you probably will still know the answer to these questions. So a couple questions. Um, what is in the Bible? Can any, any of you kids tell me that's, besides my son, I'll give somebody else a chance first. <laughs> anyway. 
All right, go ahead, Blaze. What's in the Bible? God, God's Word, yeah, God's Word. Um, the line was always, everything we need to know. So, and can we trust it? Yes, thank you. Yes, <laughs> so we can trust it. And I just read Psalm 19.7 uh, earlier this week, and it says, The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And I thought, wow, that's kind of like that kid's mantra, and, and it's a good thing to remember as we start each time we're in, in the Word. Um, but before we begin looking at James today, I want to remind us um, of the firm foundation that we have. Um, we need to keep reminding ourselves of this, and especially as we look through James, because sometimes we could be tempted um, to think that he's saying that we need to work to earn our relationship with God or to earn our place in his family. And that's not what it says. Let's consider these couple verses. There's Ephesians where it says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. In Romans, it also says that we're made right because of what Jesus has done for us. And I also want to just read further down in Romans and Romans 8. It says, You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. So we can be confident with our firm foundation. We're adopted into his family when we're believers. And with this foundation, we, we can hear James's warnings to us, and we can also hear his um, invitation to being intimate with our Father. So I'm going to read, um, we're going to read James 4, just read through it. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, but whatever your Bible is, please just follow along or your phone or your tablet or whatever else they've come up with. <laughs> so just pull this up here. Okay. So what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Isn't the whole army of evil desires at war within you? You do not have, I'm sorry, you want what you do not, don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous for what others have, and you can't possess it. So you fight and quarrel to take it away from them. And the reason you don't have what you want is that you don't ask God for it. And even when you do ask, you, you don't get it because your whole motive is wrong. You only want what gives you pleasure. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, that if your aim is to enjoy this world, you can't be a friend of God. What do you think the scriptures mean when they say that the Holy Spirit, whom God has placed within us, jealously longs for us to be faithful? He gives us more and more strength to stand against such evil desires. As the scriptures say, God sets himself against the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw close to God, and he'll draw close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you hypocrites. Let there be tears for the wrong things you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. 
When you bow down before the Lord and admit your dependence on him, he will lift you up and give you honor. Don't speak evil against each other, my dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize each other and condemn each other, then you are criticizing and condemning God's law. But you are not a judge who can decide whether the law is right or wrong. Your job is to obey it. God alone, who made the law, can rightly judge among us. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to condemn your neighbor? Look here, you people who say, today and tomorrow we are going to go to a certain town and we will stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what will happen tomorrow? For your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you will be boasting about your own plans, and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. So James starts off with pretty much just a straight-up question. It's very direct. He just says, what's causing these quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from evil desires at war within you? And he lists some causes. There's jealousy and envy. And that's actually leading to people scheming and killing. Now, most agree, most agree that the believers were not actually going out and killing one another. But James's way of illustrating his point about the condition of their heart is just like Jesus's in Matthew 5, when Jesus talks about how if a man looks at a woman and lusts, that he's already committed adultery in his heart. So the issue is, what's going on in the heart? Now, um, early on in this, Dave Ferguson shared how James was calling believers to live out, um, to live, have their faith lived out. And if you just look at that slide briefly, this, that's, this, these things are a lot different than what we just read about. Um, they were being called to love our neighbor, to wholesome speech, to being merciful, um, to re- have a rejoicing spirit. <clears throat> so what happened? He says, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't ask, um, sorry, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want what you you want only what will give you pleasure. <clears throat> so I think the deeper reason um, that they were having these problems or that we could develop these problems is a lack of connection to God. Um, when we're not connected, this allows us to grow in our selfishness. Now, a, a couple of weeks ago, Brian mentioned when he was going over James 3, uh, in James 3, 2, it says that no one of man can tame the tongue, but supernaturally it can be done. And he discussed where there was like this relationship between the tamer and the creature. And if we think of ourselves as the animal and God as the lion tamer, so to speak, um, by not spending time in the ring with God, we're going to have a hard time. Um, When we don't spend time with God, not only are we going to miss out on um, knowing him in that intimate way he wants to know us, but we're going to have trouble with our tongue and with our heart. 
and we may not even realize it. And when we, again, when we neglect that time with God, these are the things that happen. We become adulterers in that we become unfaithful. And our friendship, um, we're going to become more friends with the world. And so I, I'd like us to, like, we need to kind of look at ourselves and say, who am I spending time with? And who am I becoming like? Because the more we spend time with God, we'll probably become more like God. But the more we spend time away from him and with the world, the more that I believe we'll be more like the world. And I do want to clarify one thing. Um, friendship with the world versus enjoying the world. Now I know my, in the New Living Translation that I read, it says you can't enjoy the world. But I must have a really old New Living Translation because if you look at online, it's slightly different wording. But I think that God does want us to enjoy the world. Not the world culture, but the world in, in nature. He wants us to enjoy a beautiful sunset. He wants us to enjoy fall colors and even enjoy the idea of like, how do these fall colors, like, how does this happen? What is, the, what is his design for deciduous trees or any other number of things that we could talk about in nature? And I also think he wants to enjoy competition. He wants us to enjoy sports and games where we kind of wrestle with one another. He wants us to enjoy man's creations. I think he designed us to, to, um, to build things and, so that we can enjoy architecture, so that we can enjoy music, so that we can enjoy art. These are all things that he made us to, to create, just like he's a creator. And of course, he wants us to enjoy people. And by enjoying these things and the people in this world, uh, God actually opens doors for us um, where he might allow us to be a part of somebody else getting to know him in the way that we get to know him. Now, if at this, if at this moment you're feeling like, wow, I'm really more of a friend of the world than I am, than I am of God, um, don't worry, because James continues with hope for us. He reminds us of what God is like. He reminds us that God gives grace to the humble. And then he gives us uh, an, action, an action plan with action points. He reminds us that um, when we find ourselves in that place, we need to humble ourselves. We need to resist the devil and come closer to God. He encourages us to wash our hands, change what we're doing if we're doing something that's you know, not the most helpful or not the most beneficial of what God would want us to do. And he encourages us to purify our hearts or change our attitudes with God's help and God's direction. And again, this grace he gives generously. But it does need to be genuine. And his words are pretty strong when we, he says uh, there should be tears, sorrow and deep grief, sadness and gloom. So there seems to be no room for half-hearted, I'm sorry, like sometimes we do or our kids do. He's looking for real, real change. And he's going to give us the strength. And it says um, that he will lift us up in honor. Then he uh, encourages us to, um, he goes back to this other ongoing issue, which is criticism and judgment of others. And um, a question is, is he speaking, is, is speaking evil against others, criticizing and judging them, 
something that makes sense when we've just been forgiven so much. In Matthew, there's two uh, stories that kind of help, help us think about that. One is Matthew 18, the parable of the debtor. And, of course, this is a story where a person owns, owes a great debt to someone and they're going to be thrown in jail, their family's sold off, and you know, just really bad things are going to happen, and they beg for mercy, and the person they owe the debt to grants them mercy. And then they turn around and go to people that owe them money, much, a much smaller sum in, in the scope of things, and show no mercy to other people. Um, that's not an appropriate response to forgiveness or to mercy. And also in Matthew 7... Uh, it's the verse where Jesus talks about um, don't try to take the speck out of your brother's eye until you take the log out of your own eye. Um, so there's something about us that we want to pick, we want to criticize, we want to judge, but that's not the response that, that is a natural progression of being forgiven. I, I like to think of it as we need to celebrate that we're forgiven and then focus on what we can change with God's help. Focus on our own things. And um, finally, James addresses an issue of making plans without God. He tells the story of uh, a businessman who says to, look here, you say, today or tomorrow, we're going to go to a certain town, and we're going to stay there a year, and we're going to do business there and make a profit. So this I mean, this, if you were going to have a business plan, this person had it. There's the when, the who, the where, the how long, the what they're going to do, and why they're going to do it. But we need to not tune out here, because this isn't just about business or my intentions to go and live in a city for a certain time because I want to be there. This is also about our plans. He finishes up that section by saying, you ought to say, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. And I just want to really encourage us to not make those magic words that we can just paste at the beginning of our plans or at the end of our plans. Um, you know, basically what I'm saying is like, we don't want to come up with our plan and then be like, oh, if God lets us do this, but we want to develop the plan with God. We want to have an ongoing conversation with God trying to figure out what's, what am I to do? Well, how do I deal with this situation? Or how do I address this next section in my life? And that conversation, that ongoing conversation, is the intimacy with our Father that James has been inviting us to accept throughout this whole chapter. Now, in a moment, um, I'm going to ask that we all briefly kind of get into smaller groups of like three or four people. Probably that would be probably be out the max that would work well. And I'm going to have some sample questions and uh, just things to discuss. And also, I'd like us to pray together during that time. Um, so don't move just yet. And also, I want to say to the people that are on Zoom, if you are with somebody else uh, in your in your house. Um, if we're getting together with somebody this evening, I'd encourage you to go through these same uh, couple discussion questions and prayer. And if you're by yourself on Zoom, um, on the slide, I put my number. Just You can 
call me, not right now, but um, later, maybe later tonight or sometime this week. Uh, I would love to um, talk through some of those or pray with you. Um, so, but before we go, um, I just want to um, describe what this means, old camel knees. So, apparently, James was known as old camel knees. And so I have a picture. I'm like, I want to explore what does that look like? What is that, what is that all about? And the picture on the left, um, since it doesn't show the whole animal, is the camel uh, kneeled down, and I'm guessing to like offload his load or somebody to get on top of him or whatever. And the result of doing that over and over again is the picture on the right. Um, and actually, the front legs that are kneeled down, the picture I had, they look even more callous than the back ones. But anyway, they're really, really... It looks painful to me, but I know calluses aren't supposed to be painful. But the reason James got this um, nickname, I guess, was because he was constantly in prayer for his fellow believers. And I believe that because they knew that, um, he was very respected by them. And they knew that he cared so that he could... He could implore them over and over again like he does through this letter like address all these issues that they're having because they they knew that he was passionate and wanted the best for them and their faith and i just thought that's something really good that would be a really good goal for each of us to be old camel knees to one another and um yeah so that's my illustration so uh, i've got a couple basically there's just two um Two points of, for discussion, and then um, we'll get, I'll, maybe I'll go a little while, and then I'll just kind of encourage, if you haven't already gotten to prayer, to pray for one another. Maybe something will come up. I'm hoping something will come up in the first two points that you could pray about. And then we'll get back together. Uh, the um, worship team has a couple more songs. So, like I say, at this point, if you want to kind of break in a little bit, um, I guess, and probably groups of three or four or any bigger, you might not get to say very much. Thank you. Um, if you haven't um, gotten to the prayer part, you don't have to rush into it, but you might want to start moving in that direction, um, just because then we'll, again, we can always continue this after the worship songs, but anyway, just kind of a... Uh, Maybe move into that third point if you could. Thanks. Okay, um, if you're still praying, uh, that's that's great. Well, I'm just going to close this off kind of in prayer, and then we're going to do uh, two songs, Jason. Right? All right. So, um, dear God, thank you so much for this morning. Thanks for the chance to look into um, what you have to say to us through James four. Thank you that um, James cared about them, and that you can even use that letter. Um, many, many years later to teach us things as well. Um, please help us this week, whether we're making big decisions or decisions about how we're going to handle things like uh, our emotions, if we're getting angry, or if we're getting um, irritated or frustrated or whatever we're going through, Lord, help us to continue that ongoing conversation that you desire to have with us. And thank you that you desire to have it with us. And you made a way for us to, to do that for eternity with you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name.